The following program contains material that may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Let's just go ahead and start. Let's just do that. Yeah, are we ready to start? Let's just let's just, right now. Let's just let's just do that. I am drinking out of this enormous cup that I cannot set down, otherwise it'll like make the microphone shake. So go good on me for doing that. Welcome to Corn on the Macabre. I'm Katie Adkins. I'm Kelly Reed. This week we're talking about terrifying teenagers, yes. which has been terrifying since the dawn of time. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> like teens are never increasingly are getting up and they haven't gotten less fucked up over time, let me tell you. Oh yeah. I feel like people are always like teens are crazier than like ever and I feel like it's because those people reporting are the people who are now just grown enough that they're so out of touch with teens that they have become scared of teens and that to them it's new. That's my theory. That could be it or it could also be that we have you know, recording devices on us at all times so we can see exactly what teens are doing at all hours of the day. (laughs) True. But then I think back to this uh, sex education book I read from the 50s one time about like how to monitor your teen to make sure they're not engaging in sexual activity. And it was pretty (laughs) fucked up. It said stuff like, um, if your kid is introverted and doesn't like to go outside, then they're probably masturbating. So you should force them to like do stuff and let like, them masturbate because they <laughs> were because they were scared of teenagers. And so they were like, yeah, if your kid likes to be home all the time and is in their room all the time, then like that's really bad. And they were saying like that you should force your sons to play sports and stuff so that they're always engaged in an activity so they don't have time for sexual activity. <laughs> Which is like, awful. real funny considering like athletes. <laughs> but um I'm a firm believer that you need that fucking release. <laughs> well, the other part of that was like you should monitor your daughters at all time and like they should never be out for too long and should, you should always have an eye on them and they should be home at certain times and blah, blah, blah. It was so ridiculous. I'm so glad my mom never read that book. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was written in like 51. I don't think any of our parents would have read it. They would have been like, fuck this noise. I mean, yeah. our parents grew up in the 60s and 70s. They're during hippie culture. Like that was mm-hmm. a thing, which hippie culture doesn't seem crazy to us now. But now that I think about it, how the early 1900s was and then like the 20s, the 30s, 40s, 50s. I never realized just how like insane that must have felt for everybody. <laughs> Back then, yeah, because to us it already happened, so it's not crazy. We're just like, oh, that's that's old shit. Yeah, (laughs) like been there, been there, done that. Oh, you're you're walking around naked, like whatever. (laughs) So, what inspired you to pick this topic? So there, there's this story. The story I'm about to cover. Um, I would say it's probably it's either the first or the second story that really got me into true crime because. I think it was probably the first one I heard, but then Ted Bundy is when I really started like following true crime stuff. Anyway, E! True Hollywood Story, if you remember that, those days, um, they would sometimes do, it's either E! Investigates or it's E! True Hollywood Story, but it's true crime. And then uh, this one in particular was Too Young to Kill. And there is a story on there. I remember having it on like in the living room not really watching it. I was doing something else. And then the story comes on and I'm like half listening 
And then as it keeps going, I just stopped everything I was doing. I'm just like stood in the living room and watched this. And then just like, you know, eventually sat down, but it was this long sitting on the edge of my seat. I had like goosebumps all over me. It was this horrible story. I don't know why I thought about it the other day, but I was just like, you know, that's, I'm trying to think of the things that scared me. And that was probably the first story that I remember really getting to me. So that was really just the reason I picked it. I just wanted to look at it again and see if it was as awful as I remember. And fun fact, it is. So I'm really excited to hear it. So this is like not just, okay, so this is just like what got you into true crime in general. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the reason that this one hit so hard is because it's, these are all girls where I I was the same age as the victim at the time when I watched it. Um, And it was like me getting ready to go into high school just horrifying like yeah I just don't want to talk to any girls at school because of this fucking story oh my God. I want to go ahead and preface this by saying like huge trigger warning like the stuff in and that I'm about to talk about is probably the worst oh, no. story I've ever covered okay you know like how a lot of people have like a certain topic that just super fucking like triggers an emotion like a really strong or like you know or maybe triggers like trauma or something. I used to feel that way whenever I heard a story about kids being bullied and teenagers mm-hmm. bullying because teenagers are like the fucking worst when it comes to bullying. Like when they do it, they do it hard. I'll never forget this one story I read in like a magazine or something because it was so fucking awful that I was like, how the fuck are these teenage girls this fucking bad? So there was this girl, she, her family was from another country. I do not remember the country, unfortunately, but they moved to like some white bread, middle of nowhere, American state. So Midwest, I'm assuming, or maybe Southern with how fucking mean these girls are. I don't know, because I could see this being a absolutely a racist thing, but because they would make fun of the way she talks and her accent and stuff and they would like call her on the phone and tell her to kill herself and that everybody like wishes she was dead and like all of the stuff they physically pushed her down the stairs at school and this girl finally killed herself oh and so her parents had uh she took a bunch of pills so they had an open casket and they wanted to bury her in the prom dress she didn't get to wear to prom that year. And these girls came to the fucking funeral and laughed at her dead body because her what dress was tacky. They oh my god! Literally laughed evil, at her prom dress. Evil, evil, evil. They fucking came to this girl's fucking like they are the reason she did this. Oh my god! I I'm sorry. I'm getting triggered Honestly, again. I'm like getting triggered again. I was so. I remember being a teenage girl and reading this and being fucking fuming i was crying i was just like sobbing i was like how dare they i must murder them all <laughs> like oh my god mm. i was so upset it's just fucking evil kids are fucking evil i fucking hate them they're all terrible <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're really awful. god teenage girls are the fucking worst no te- I mean, teenage girls are they're, like their own brand of evil boys are terrifying too all kids can be terrifying and all kids can be great it's just hormones make you crazy did you know any terrifying teens growing up um i had like a i wouldn't i don't know it's really more of a sad story than anything else it was just i mean there is this girl i remember i was in this play right it was like a summer play and you know in between school and um it was one that my community college put on but i was dating this guy when i say dating i mean like we held hands and occasionally we kissed, you know, like it was high school. It was, I was a freshman 
And I started dating this guy who, you know, was like the class clown and everybody liked him and he was real popular and stuff, but he had this ex and his ex was in the play with me that summer and she did not like me. She made it really well known that she did not like me, but one of her, uh, I guess it was her family. It was her family or her best friends. Either way, they we had a um, rehearsal that went until midnight one night. And so one of the families offered to let the girls stay over since we had to get up and do an early rehearsal the next day and they live close by. So it was supposed to be like a big group of us all going over to this girl's house, staying the night, waking up and going to rehearsal. Instead, it ended up being me, the mean girl or the ex, um, the ex's best friend. And then this one random girl that I carpooled with, with occasionally. So I didn't really know anyone, but I went and they just kind of interrogated me about the guy I was dating and like, does he do this? And does he do that? He did this for me and like all this shit. Oh my God. Yeah. And I was like, this is weird, but I went along with it and then like opened up to them a little bit. And then the next morning I wake up, but like, you know, my eyes were still closed, but I can, you know, hear what's going on around me. And they're literally just in a circle talking shit about me right next to where I'm sleeping just openly oh like oh I, I could kind of stand her last night but she's the worst and like just calling me all these names and shit and I'm laying right there just in the room and I'm just like ah, I'm just gonna pretend I'm asleep I'm gonna get the fuck out of this house and that's just gonna be the end of it so I mean luckily I just called my mom right after and I was like just bring me home <laughs> this is uh, ridiculous yeah but, that's so fucked up oh my god yeah. girls are mean there are so many girls who do fucked up shit at sleepovers and just to each other and it's just like why even have like why even invite you just to be mean to you Mm -hmm. like it doesn't make sense like I've had over the course of my life I've had so many girls be so fucking mean to me from telling me that like I was their mom made me invite them to their birthday to like I, I feel like I've mentioned this particular, this little mini snippet story I have, but like in middle school, the-, the-, the two girls are trying to pee on me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, did st- talk about this. I still <laughs> don't understand how those girls not only attempted to pee on me, which, yeah, but for the record, they did not fucking succeed. Oh, my God. Like, I heard them. I heard <laughs> them talk about it. I heard them literally say, let's pee on Katie. We were at the pool. And the idea was they didn't want to get out of the pool and they thought it'd be funny to like pee. Like basically they wanted to like hold someone underwater and fucking pee on them, which is disgusting. Um, But since I was swimming laps for swim team, they were like, okay, we're going to like get in front of her and like pee. So she'll like swim into the stream essentially. And I heard that I knew exactly what they were doing. So what I did was I swam across the fucking pool. So like when they went to do that, I like immediately left and they still bragged to the whole school about how they peed on me, and yet they weren't the weirdos. They yeah, weren't the weirdos. Really add up. I don't understand how that adds up. Like, how did they still end up popular? I don't. Whatever. <laughs> but when I think of a terrifying teen, I think of this one boy I used. I made out with at a couple parties in high school. <laughs> and this story will take a weird turn real quick. Because he was this cute, it's real short, it's not even really a story. There was this really cute boy that I liked, and of course he was super scene-ster, had blue hair, how could I not? We were like, gonna go out, but then just didn't, 
I don't know. It was a weird thing. We, like, made plans to meet up, and then we just, like, didn't do it, and then we just did it. Right, like teenager shit. And it was honestly for the fucking best, because a year or two later, I'm talking to mutual friends, and I'm just like, oh, like, where's, what what happened to, like, Cam or whatever? And they're just like, oh, he's in prison. What? I was like, what? What? Not to call. I was like, what do you mean he's in prison? And they were like, oh, yeah, he tripped on acid last year and was chased by a cop, climbed on top of a roof, and then shot the cop in the leg with a gun. Yeah, okay. And I was like, maybe it's for the best we did a date. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah, safe to say, um, dodged a bullet. <laughs> 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 I didn't even know the kid had a gun. Yeah, I I knew there was something a little off with him. I noticed he really enjoyed hurting people. <laughs> Oh. or whatever but like completely not like it would be like we're hanging out in a group of friends and whatever and like you know someone would have like a arm or a leg exposed or whatever and he'd slap you like really 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 hard to try to create like a starfish shape like on your body or whatever he would like do shit like that all the time where it would like really fucking hurt and like wasn't funny and it was right. kind of like I was like I-, I remember him doing that one time and I was like I'm wondering if there's something off about this guy yeah <laughs> pain isn't the best one i mean if you like consensual pain sure sure. i'm not here to kink shame anybody but it was the fact that he would do it just like in public unannounced didn't even care if the other person didn't like it or not that's when i was like Mm -hmm. okay a 16 year old idiot i was like this seems like a red flag (laughs) i don't have a lot of experience with this but this doesn't seem good (laughs) I feel like that's the closest I came to, like, a terrifying teenager was a kid who's literally arrested for shooting a cop. So, well, this is your topic, so I feel like you should take it away. All right. I'm so Um, excited to hear this. Like I said before, big trigger warning. So this is a story of Shanda Sher. She is a cute 12-year-old girl. People describe her as bubbly and popular And she had just moved from Kentucky to New Albany, Indiana with her mother after um, she had just gotten a divorce. So it's like they were just kind of starting their new chapter as a family. She was just a single mother bringing her 12-year-old daughter to this new place. Shanda starts going uh, to this school. So she starts up at this new school. She's immediately well-liked and she meets a girl named Amanda Hevron. They become really fast friends and then they end up dating. They become romantic partners. Um, So it's just like cute young love. And in October of 1991, the two of them attended a school dance together. And while they were there, just having a good time, you know, like 12 and 13-year-olds fucking do, um, they're confronted by this 16-year-old Melinda Loveless, who had previously been dating Amanda, who is Shanda's new girlfriend. So... Melinda had been dating Amanda for more than a year and was now extremely jealous of this new girl coming out of nowhere and being so popular and then, you know, hitting it off right away. So at this dance, Loveless threatens her in public and starts talking about killing her, like regularly that she talks about it at school. Um, And at this point, 
Shanda's mother pulls her out of school and starts sending her to a new place called Our Lady of per- Perpetual Help Catholic School in order to help protect her to get her away from these fucking bullies, basically. What year was this? This is 1991. Okay, this wasn't also like a pray the gay away thing, right? No, 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 no. Okay. It wasn't anything like that. It was just she she was getting bullied and okay. So her mom was just like, "I'll put you in another school and yeah, separate you." Like, okay, this is the next closest school. Like she, I don't even know if they were particularly Catholic. It was just like she needs to get the fuck out of the school. There's another girl talking about killing her. Like this is horrifying. So good parenting, you know. <laughs> um, however. On January 10th, 1992, um, so just a few months later, Melinda enlists three friends, Lori Tackett, Hope Rippey, and Tony Lawrence. All of them are between the ages of 15 to 17 years old. She brings them all together, shows them a knife, and says she's going to scare Shanda with it. And that's like her big plan. Um, So these girls, none of them really know Shanda. But Shanda knows that they went to the same school and she's like seen them in passing. So these three girls drive to where Shanda's spending the week with her father and they tell Shanda that they're going to drive her to see Amanda, her old girlfriend. Shanda told the girls to return after her parents were asleep so she could sneak out to see her. So they did. They come back at night and Shanda sneaks out. And then the girls take Shanda into the car and told her they're going to drive her to this meeting place at a It's a spot called the Witch's Castle. It's an isolated and abandoned house. That was kind of like a local teen hangout. It was kind of creepy. You know, it had some historic stories of just like witches being burned there. Oh my God. All I know is that when I'm like old and decrepit, I hope wherever I live, everyone refers to as the Witch's Castle. Witch's Castle. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like a cool hangout spot. It's a sick name. (laughs) Yeah. So on the way, Melinda Loveless is hiding under a blanket in the back seat. Um, and she has the knife that she was talking about. But once they're far enough away from her father's place, Melinda leaps out from under the blanket, holds the knife to Shanda's throat, and threatens to slit it if she doesn't confess to stealing Amanda away from her. Psychotic behavior. I mean, at that point, just say, yeah, I sure. <laughs> yeah, I stole so, her. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. So, like, Shanda's in tears. She's like freaking out because she's obviously scared for her life and she tries to respond but Loveless is just kind of like screaming over her it's like she doesn't want her response she just wants her to be scared is basically it um so Loveless then convinces the other girls to take um that to keep going to Witch's Castle where there would be no one else around for miles the other three girls just assumed that she was going to scare with the knife like she said but they take this sobbing 12 year old and bind her, her arms and legs with rope. Loveless starts taunting her that she had pretty hair and wondered how pretty she would look if it was all cut off. And then Shanna, of course, that scares her even more. Loveless starts taking off uh, Cher's rings and handed it to each of the girls, just like giving away her stuff. Um, at some point, one of the other girls, Rippy, had taken Cher's Mickey Mouse watch and danced to the tune it played. So they're like torturing this poor girl. This poor girl is sobbing out in the middle of nowhere, bound. And this girl's just dancing to her Mickey Mouse watch ring. Um, she has the fact that this poor child has a Mickey Mouse watch. Yeah, a Mickey Mouse watch. So wholesome. I'm so yeah. upset. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so Tackett, one of the other girls, um, continues to taunt um, Shanda, claiming that Witch's Castle was filled with human remains and Shanda's were going to be next. And then she keeps 
threatening her. Um, she retrieves a shirt with a smiley design from the car and lights it on fire in front of her to like freak her out. Um, but then immediately they feared that the fire would be spotted by passing cars. So the girls take Shanda and leave with her. And during the car ride, so this girl's still bound up. Ugh, anyway, she's bound up in the car. But during the car ride, um, Shanda continues to beg with them to take her back home. Um, she says she's sorry. You know, she just wants to go back to her family. Loveless orders uh, Shanda to slip off her bra um, and then hands it over to one of the other girls. Um, and then they replaced it. I don't know what, what the point of that was other than to just continue to freak this girl out and fuck with her. So she's driving the car and takes her own bra off and replaces it with this 12-year-old girl's, which is... Wait, how old is Loveless? Melinda Loveless? Yeah, Melinda, the the ringleader, she's 16. I'm... Whoa, okay. How old is Amanda? I think Amanda is... I want to say, like, 14 like, or 15. Like, 13. Oh, how is a 12-year-old at their school that she would be in a middle school? I think she probably was, like you know early in there like she skipped a grade or something fucking christ also for yeah. a 16 year old to be this fucking upset over a 12 year old yeah yeah right oh my god and like yeah. there's just a lot happening and also like this 12 year old must okay it's a little disrespectful but like she must have really been like hot shit i, just I mean feel like was, on some yeah, level well, she was really popular and everybody loved yeah, her. She was just this, I mean, you can look at she's this adorable little girl who is just so carefree, nothing but smiles all the time. Like, oh my God, I just can't. Precious. So she's yeah. so precious. This one 16 year old bitch was like, I'm going to break her. Oh my God, yeah. I'm so upset. Okay, continue. Yeah, no, this, this story is awful. <laughs> they become lost. So they stop at a gas station um, and cover Shanda with a blanket so she can't be seen. And while Tackett went inside to ask for directions, the, one of the other girls, Tony Lawrence, she calls a boy that she knew in Louisville and chats for several minutes to ease her worries. Like, she's having a really hard time with what she's doing right now. And she just needs a boy to calm her down. Like, do none of these girls realize that Shonda is going to go home and fucking tell everybody, like, just tell an adult? Who, like, she knows who they all are. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she talks to this boy um, to ease her mind, but she doesn't mention that, you know, they just kidnapped a 12-year-old. They return to the car, but become lost again and pulled up to another gas station um, where Lawrence and Rippy spotted a couple of boys and talked to them once again before getting back into the car and leaving. So they're just like this poor sobbing girl who has no idea what's going on. She's 12 years old. She's bound and covered with a blanket. Can't see what's going on. Probably gagged. And these, these other girls are over just like talking to cute boys at a gas station. Like it's, it's the fact that there's a group of them that are this fucked up. Yeah. There's four girls involved in this. Four of them. Like Melinda's the worst of the worst. She's the ringleader, but these other three fucking sheep go along with this, psychotic person it's just unbelievable they talk to these boys they get back in the car they leave and then they arrive sometime later at the edge of some woods near um Ta Lori tackett's home in madison um tackett led them to a dark garbage dump off a lodging off a logging road in a densely forested area and then lawrence and rippy were frightened and they decided to stay in the car so like they get to this garbage dump and then two of the girls are just like what the fuck are we doing here this is way worse than scaring her with the knife like we did it at witch's castle what are we doing here 
So they stay in the car, but Loveless and Tackett um, make Shanda strip naked. Then Loveless beat Shanda with her fists. Then she reportedly slammed Shanda's face into her knee, like over and over again, which cut Shanda's mouth on her own braces. Loveless tried to slash Shanda's throat, but the knife was too dull. And then Rippy came out of the car to hold Shanda down. So the girl who didn't want to be involved at first is now coming out and holding down Shanda. And then Loveless and Tackett took turns stabbing Shanda in the chest with this dull knife. Then they strangle Shanda with a rope until she's unconscious, place her in the trunk of the car, and told the other two girls that she was dead. Which is, sadly, just the fucking beginning of this fucking story. So Wait, 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 wait. wait. There was four girls? There's four girls. So there is Lori Tackett, who is like a close friend of Melinda Loveless. Clearly, Um, Jesus. She literally helped murder someone for her. Yeah. Um, There's Tony Lawrence. And then there is Melinda. Uh, well, there's Melinda Loveless, um, who's the rank leader. And then you have Lori Tackett, who's like the best friend. And then there's Hope Rippy. Hope. Okay. Yeah. Hope Rippy. And then there's Tony Lawrence. So, so those there's, are the four girls. So there's four girls attacking this one girl. Oh my God. Yeah. Teenagers. Keep in mind, like Tony and Tackett, I believe, are 15 years old. And then. Hope is 17. How like, do so many psychopaths end up in one location to do this? Oh, my God. Like, all of them are... Like, can you imagine being a 17-year-old and going along with torturing a 12-year-old? No, I can't even... Um, but yes, please continue. Okay, so... Right, so they take her out to the garbage dump. They stab her in the chest, strangle her, and then throw her in the trunk. Then the girls... Uh, drove to Tackett's home that was nearby um, and went inside to drink soda and clean themselves up. Um, but while they're doing this, they hear uh, Shanda screaming in the trunk of the car. So Tackett goes out with a paring knife and stabs her several more times, then comes back a few minutes later covered with blood. And then after she washed, Tackett's told the girls futures with runestones. Like they're just what? going on with their, yeah, they're going on with their fucking normal lives. Like, they're like, oh, slumber party. Oh, well, my God. They just stabbed in a trunk. But like, she, and she's still there. They still literally, they still were like, you know what? Let's do tarot cards with a dead body in the trunk on the sleepover. What the fuck? I'm I mean, sorry. It's so fucked up. I just can't They're just that. the worst people. Oh, let's, let's do runestones to see the outcome of this murder that we just committed as 15-year-old girls. They're like. They're, I don't know. I don't, I can't. This is how we know teenage girls are the most psycho is because like, it's like they don't, it doesn't even register. They don't even realize like Like what. They don't even realize what's going on. And they think because they're in a group that they're okay. I don't know what they're thinking. There's a young girl in a trunk screaming in the, in, in their garage. Well, she's dead now. Well, she's stabbed with a paring knife again and you know, strangled she's been, she's been stabbed in the chest several times she's been strangled she's thrown back into the car she's still alive the girl goes out there and stabs her with a paring knife and then comes back in and starts telling runestone futures like and here's a fucking crazy thing shanda's not dead so i'm um, so what um, how yeah. also like is melinda the one doing the runestone readings just out of curiosity no, it's Tackett. It's the girl that um that drove the car. Is that fucking Tony Tackett, Tackett or whatever her name is? 
uh, Laura Tackett? Lori Tackett. No, I thought Tony Tackett sounds better. Lori, yeah, Lori Tackett and Tony Lawrence. Ah, they should have switched those. Are you kidding me? Lori, Lori Lawrence <laughs> yeah, and Tony Tackett. <laughs> those are much better um, names. So at 2.30 a.m., uh, Lawrence and Rippy stay behind as Tackett and Loveless go country cruising. So they take the car, the stabbed little girl, and they're driving to this nearby town. But while they're driving around, they can hear Shanda, who's still alive, crying and gurgling in their trunk. This is where it gets really bad. Like, it oh, hasn't been it, awful already. Because it wasn't already Tack- bad. Yeah. Tackett stops the car. And they open up the trunk. Shanda sits up, covered in blood. Her eyes are rolled in the back of the head, but she's unable to sleep. She's just gurgling and just kind of, like, hanging on for dear life. And then Tackett beats her with a tire iron until she goes silent. And then asks Loveless to smell it. To smell the tire iron? That she just beat this little girl with. The other two girls were like, we're staying home. We're done with this. We don't want to hang out with you anymore. And Loveless and Tackett are like, well, we're going to go driving around the city because we're so fun. And we just, like, never mind that there's a girl dying in the back of our, in the back of our car. But I kind of wonder if those other two girls, like, went along just so they don't get fucking murdered. Oh, my God. Probably. Yeah, can you imagine seeing these two girls that you thought were friends and like thought they were normal people and now all of a sudden they've killed a, or they believe that they've killed a 12-year-old girl? I mean, and they hear her and they hear her screaming in the trunk and they see her go back out there into the garage with a paring knife and stab her more like Oh my god. I mean, you have to be horrified. Well, first of all, I can't actually ever see myself agreeing to go tie up and torture a girl or even just scare her with a knife. Like, mm-hmm. I can't even really imagine myself doing that. But, like, I can't imagine. I mean, there was one time me and my friend, we were just dumb, jealous, like, 14-year-old girls. We were jealous of this one girl. But we, you know, as every teenage girl does, you form jealousy as, like, I don't like her. When really you're yeah. just jealous of her and you just don't want to fucking admit it. But all we did was just, like, we threw some toilet paper at a tree in her yard and called it a day. Like, <laughs> what a fucking tie her up and torture her. Oh, my God. And then even after the fact, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. She's mm-hmm. not a bad person. I'm just a jealous idiot. <sighs> Continue. Jesus. Fuck. Oh, my God. All right. So she's beat with the tire iron. Loveless and Tackett return to Tackett's house just before daybreak to clean up again because now they're covered in more fucking blood. Rippy asks about Shanda. And Tackett laughingly describes the torture. Um, the conversation woke up Tackett's mother, who yelled at her daughter for being out late and bringing home the girls. So Tackett agreed to take them home. She takes these girls home, but on the way, she drives to this burn pile where they open up the trunk to sh- stare at this beaten, stabbed 12-year-old girl. And Lawrence refuses. She's like, I'm not fucking looking at this. Rippy Rippy sprays the little girl with Windex and taunted, you're not looking so hot now, are you? Um, okay, I take it back. Maybe they weren't doing it so they won't get murdered. Yeah, like maybe maybe Lawrence, but definitely not this Rippy chick. I don't, I, I cannot. I mean. I've, I've watched like, I've seen a, a couple documentaries on this and I've read like a good amount on it and I still can't wrap my head around what these girls were doing like you should have left the fucking house the second they were gone you should have you know should never been involved to begin with obviously but like get out go get the fucking police like uh anyway so the girls drive to a a gas station near madison um high school 
they pumped some gasoline into the car and bought a two liter bottle of Pepsi. Tackett poured out the Pepsi bottle and then refills it with gasoline. They drive north of Madison past Jefferson Proving Ground to Lemon Road off US Route 421. This is all just, you know, specifics, but basically they're still in town. They're like just a little bit north of town. So Lawrence doesn't want to be part of this anymore, but she remains in the car while Tackett and Rippy wrap up Shanda, who is still alive, even after being stabbed repeatedly, being strangled with a rope and being beaten with a tire iron. This poor 12-year-old girl is still alive in this fucking trunk. They wrap her in a blanket and they carry her to a field by the gravel country road. Tackett made one of the other girls, Rippy, pour the gasoline onto the girl and then they set her on fire. And Melinda's not convinced that Shanda's dead. So they return a few minutes later and pour the rest of the gasoline on her. Oh my god, I just I just realized that it has been a while since we have talked about something this fucking dark on our podcast. Yeah. And literally literally the last two episodes we recorded are like goofy drug trips and like yeah. elves. <laughs> That's why I wanted to be like, hey, hey, big trigger warning, big, big, big one. Like this oh one is god. the worst story I've probably ever done. But this is why this is I'm sitting here as a 12 year old girl watching this on E True Hollywood Story. Like, yeah, you watched this when you were 12. Holy fuck. This would have stayed with me for a fucking life, too. Imagine because, of course, us, we would have been like, we, we know we would have been the victim. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, so like what they leave out in this article, but what I remember explicitly from the fucking documentary is the reason that they come back and they pour more gasoline on her or, and they set her on fire is because Shanna's not dead and she's wrapped up in a blanket and she's st- walking, trying to get home. She got up and walked. She got up and she's trying to get home. With like her brain dead. Oh my God. Tire iron beatings with stab wounds. She's 12 years old and all she wants to do is go the fuck home to her family. So these girls come back this- and light her on fire. It's fucking dark. God. I feel less bad about the time I talked about the guy who put a dead baby in a yeah, blender. Yeah, no, this is like, <laughs> this is the kind of shit I that you like. I feel less bad about that. You hear this kind of shit on like with adults, but it's it takes it to a, I don't know, it's like a whole new fucking world because all of them are under the age of 18. It's horrific. Um, and, and there's so many of them. And there's, yeah, there's, there's so, there's a group of it. them. And it's a 12-year-old girl. Like, I remember when I was, 15 and I thought 12 was you know babies. baby baby you know? 12 is baby age yeah <sighs> all right okay. so they do all this they light her on fire and you know what they do next they go to McDonald's for oh breakfast my god and then they laugh about how Shanda's body looks like one of the sausages that they were eating it's awful Tony Lawrence the one who's like been done with this for a while now um phones a friend and told her about the murder Tackett then drops off Lawrence because she doesn't know what Lawrence did, but she drops her she drops her and Rippy off at their homes. Finally, Tackett and Loveless go back to her place. So Tackett calls Amanda, you know, the girl that this kind of started over, and told her that they had killed Shanda and arranged to pick her up because Amanda's just like, oh, there no, you didn't, you know, like that's they were she thought she was like talking about like her threats from earlier she didn't think for one second that you know 15 and 16 17 year old girls would do this to a child um, well who fucking would yeah so that was amanda's girlfriend this is all because of their fucking crazy ass jealousy over this amanda girl oh yeah and then they call her and tell her about it 
So they called him um, and oh my god, be like, we just murdered your girlfriend. Here's how. Yeah. No, they're like, hey, we killed her. We're gonna pick you up to tell you the details. We're gonna pick you up. This is true disconnect with reality. Holy fucking shit. Herd mentality is insane. Yeah. I've decided that the fact that four girls did this is some crazy ass like hive mind happening. <laughs> Mm-mm, I'm not okay. <laughs> A friend of Melinda's, uh, Crystal Wathen, then came over to Loveless's house and they tell this girl, Crystal, what happened. Then the three girls drive to pick up Amanda and take her back to the house and then tell her the story. Both Amanda and Crystal were both like, no, you didn't. You know, like that's, that's not true. So to prove their point and prove that they did it, Loveless and Tackett take them to the car and show them the truck and show them the blood inside and show them the fingerprints and shit. Um, oh my god yeah because they need to brag about everything they need everyone oh my god they're like i fucking did it you know so amanda's obviously horrified and she's like take me the fuck home and then when they pull up in front of her house melinda starts kissing on her and telling her she loves her and pleads with her not to tell anyone and of course amanda's just like yeah sure i'm i'm not gonna tell anyone like yeah sure it's totally cool bye because she's fucking psycho like she's not gonna poke that bear yeah. Anyway. I would say anything to get out of that car. I'd be like, yeah, oh my God, uh, let's get married next week. Bye. Yeah, you, you're the love of my life. Let me out of this fucking car. Later in the morning of January 11th, um, 1992, so it's like the next day, two brothers are driving towards Jefferson to go hunting, and then they notice the body on the side of the road. So Shanda's father, Stephen, notices that his daughter was nowhere to be found. And after phoning neighbors and friends all morning, he calls his ex-wife, or he calls her at 1.45 p.m. So he notices that she's gone, calls her, like, pretty much immediately. They meet up and they file a missing persons report with the Clark County Sheriff. Um, At 8.20 p.m., the two girls that were involved, Lawrence and Rippy, like, the two girls that were kind of on the side, and then Rippy, who was like, oh, take the Windex, I'm a fucking psycho, they go to the sheriff's office with their parents. Um, and they both ramble. They basically hear that these two brothers found the body and they freak out and they tell their parents and they go to the sheriff's office and they tell them that the victim was Shanda um, and they name Loveless and uh, Tackett. And they're just like, these are the two girls who killed her. And they describe them as best as they can. They describe the events of the previous night. And uh, one of the other friends who was told about this, because they're like telling everyone so many people were called and told that this was going on, and yet it wasn't until the body is found that people are calling the police. Um, anyway, they contacted the Clark County Sheriff, um, and they were finally able to match the missing the body with the missing person report. They had obtained dental records that positively identify that Shanda's the victim, and Loveless and Tackett are arrested the very next day. Um, I just and- can't believe that they were telling so many people they really didn't think they could get caught. <sighs> Or they really wanted to get caught? I could not tell you. I could not tell you what's going on with them. Like, they are not from this realm of existence. They yeah. are possessed. A tentacle monster is possessing their minds. Like, I don't know what is happening. Yeah. With these, um, the fact that both of them are doing it. Do you think it was, it was Lori and uh, Melinda, right? Who are both, they're both bragging because they both, was Melinda fucking all these girls? I, Were they all in love with her? I think they had to be terrified of her or think she was like the cool kid. Like, you know, she's oh. so badass. She's so badass. And then realizing, oh, wait, that's not badass. That's 
psychosis. No like, one is that cool. No, the fact that they're bragging after the fact tells me they don't feel bad, number one. Yeah. Number two, yeah, no. it tells me that they must be, like, in love with Melinda or something. At least tack it. I don't know. Like, the other two girls seemed – I mean, at least Lawrence, like, Tony Lawrence, she seemed like she was horrified enough that she was like, I'm fucking done with this. Rippy went along with it for a lot longer, but – Loveless and Tackett are arrested immediately. So for an arrest warrant, you know, you need, like, evidence and stuff. For this one, there was, like, just so much statements. Like, not even just evidence, just the statements that went along with it that were just so horrific that they were able to arrest him just based on that. Like, they didn't need anything else. They're just like, this little girl's body was found. These two other girls are telling us these horrific things that was done to her. We're arresting you. And... The prosecution immediately is just like, yeah, no, you're being tried as adults. We don't care how fucking old you are. If you are old enough to decide that you're going to be this big of a piece of shit, you're going to be tried as one. Good. So Good. I do wonder if I have known kids who, like, have been arrested and whatever that, like, they're not that scared because they know they're not adults. Yeah. And I'm really wondering if these girls were like, so what if I get out when I'm 25 or something? I don't, I don't really think it, that was it. I think it was just a disconnect from the world. So like. I agree with that um, way more than what I said, but I, it, it could still be a, it still could have been a thought. Like the, the part I'm thinking of is like idiot kids who like join like their idiot older cousins and brothers and whatever when, and breaking into people's homes and stealing stuff is like what I was thinking of. Like, the, like I knew kids like that growing up in like middle school and high school and they like really just thought like, because they're not adults, they'll be fine. I, I think this takes it to a whole other level, you know? And and the thing is, like, they're they're tried as adults, right? There's there's mitigating factors in this where all four girls um, who are involved have been physically and sexually abused by a parent or a close adult and had histories of self-harm behavior. Tackett was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and suffered from hallucinations pretty regularly. That doesn't um, excuse any of this. No, no it absolutely doesn't excuse not. any of this. No, absolutely not. It does not. Absolutely not. It's just, it just kind of dis- it helps helps you kind of figure out how disconnected they were from the world. So, which I'm not excusing at all. They are pieces of shit. Yeah. But yeah. I'm like these, like if you're like you wondering can, what happened to make people this fucking crazy. Yeah. You can have borderline personality disorder. You can have. What, what are the other things you listed? I don't even know. Even um, You can have schizophrenia. You can have all kinds of things. Yeah. And, like, um, not murder people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tackett and Loveless were both sentenced to 60 years um, in the women's prison in Indiana, Indianapolis. Um, Which Tackett, is basically life. Yeah. I mean, especially they're being thrown in there at uh, 16 and 17 years old. And then Tackett was released in 2018. She served probation for one year. Um, Loveless was released in 2019 of September. Um, Wait, they were released? Yeah. Yeah. Like good behavior or some shit? Were they just trying to shove out the old inmates who they think are fine now? I I guess so. Well, I mean, let's see. No, no, no. Because, like, I don't want to do math. 92. And they got out 2019. That's eight, 17 years. 92, 2002. (laughs) <laughs> 2012 27 years it's 27 years oh my god it's 27 years oh my god i forgot the other 10 to get to 2012 they're let out early call it good behavior whatever rippy was sentenced to 60 years um with 10 years suspended for mitigating circumstances which is what i was just telling you about um and then plus 10 years of medium supervision probation 
um, on appeal, a judge reduced the sentence to 35 years for Rippy. Oh. And then Lawrence was allowed to plead guilty to one count of criminal confinement. And it was sentenced to a maximum of 20 years. So Lawrence, the one who was involved the least, got 20. Um, Rippy, who was involved second least, I guess, who's still fucking terrible. All of them are terrible. Got 35, and then the other two got 60, but got Good. Out. I'm glad that all of them got tried seriously. What they did is so beyond fucked up. Even if you're like, I did it because I'm scared, like, mm-mm. There's one, like, I don't want to say good thing because it's all, it's all terrible. Like, the whole story is fucking awful. Um, but during the trial, it comes out, you know, about the sexual abuse and everything. Um and Melinda Lovelace's father, he ends up arrested because of the trial because he was harming his kids and his family and he was terrible. Um, so that's a kind of good thing. On the other hand, no. I, I, I mean, yes, but no. <laughs> yeah, her mother actually made her first contact with the killer, Melinda Lovelace, um, indirectly by donating a dog named Angel um, it, and named it Shanda and gave it to Melinda to, for her to train because there's like the canine assistance network program in prisons. Um, oh, okay. I was like, Melinda's in prison though. Okay. Yeah, yeah, which provides service pipes to people with disabilities. So Loveless trained dogs for the program for several years. And so um, the mom donated a dog named Shanda to her. Amazing. Yeah. She gets a lot of crap for it, but she defends it saying, um, it's my choice to make. Shanda's my child. If you people don't like give it. her crap for that? Yeah, for, don- for donating a dog to the killer. No, you know, fuck like, no. She doesn't deserve shit. She doesn't deserve shit. But she's just like, no, Shanda's my child. And if you don't let good things come from bad things, then nothing gets better. And I know what my child would want. My child would want this. So that is the horrible, awful, terrible story of Shanda Share and all the things that these horrible teenage girls did to her. Oh my fucking god. And it's kind of crazy to me that not it's not like a more well-known story because it's just so terrible. It's awful. But when you hear a story that awful, I guess the number one thing people really want to do is forget about it. So I hope yours isn't as <laughs> no, it's not actually. Uh, thank God, honestly. Yeah, uh, I was really glad I was going to go first this week because I would not want to end it with that. Yeah, thinking of terrifying teens, also kind of interpreted this topic as like dumb shit teenagers do. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Which yes. on some level like can be terrifying. Um, okay, so I did a couple things. If we want to hear about them, if we even fucking have time to hear about them which it's fine if we want to skip it it's fine if we want to skip it because i can save one of these stories for a different topic actually so i looked up the ridiculous challenges youtube tiktok and like whatever like virtual challenges that teenagers have done the fact that these challenges exist absolutely don't surprise me because i think back to when i was an idiotic preteen teenager before the true inter- before the true age of internet when internet was baby and we didn't think to make videos to put them on YouTube mm-hmm. <laughs> that wasn't like the thing to do cuz we didn't have telephones that would do that so you'd have to ha- get a whole fucking camera to do it yeah, um, <laughs> it's a lot more work. <laughs> which a lot of which a lot of kids didn't just have a video camera lying around. Like the best we had was digital cameras and even then like 
not good quality. Not the point. Point is, is that it absolutely does not surprise me that teenagers today do what they do with TikTok and YouTube. Honestly, I'm surprised we didn't fully do the whole like, oh my god, challenge thing and become viral thing sooner. Yeah. To be completely fucking honest. <laughs> Um, we kept thinking you had to create quality stuff to get known. <laughs> yeah. We didn't realize we could make absolute dumb as shit. <laughs> we didn't realize you could make absolute garbage and people would watch it. Well, some of us did, but not most of us. And now all the teens have caught on and now they're all doing it. And like I said, it doesn't surprise me. There was a couple things I had never heard of and then things that I have heard of and then things that I just wasn't really that surprised about. And by the way, all these challenges, like some of them date back to like 2012, 2013. So they're not all relevant. They're just really dumb challenges of like the last 10 years, really. I think the most popular one that everyone has fucking heard of is the goddamn Tide Pod (laughs) challenge. And I think it's really dumb that they call these things challenges. They're not. They're just idiotic things people do. But yeah, uh, and I don't know if you remember this past year... Licking the toilet seat COVID challenge. I really hoped it was a meme. Oh, no, that was, shit was real. No. That shit was real. A girl licked an airplane toilet seat. That's And disgusting. put it, she uploaded it to TikTok and was like, lolo, like, get COVID challenge uh, or whatever. And guess what? She got COVID, so. Well, you know, you love to see it. <laughs> Yeah. Here are the ones that I have not heard of. Cereal challenge? Which is just a choking hazard. And I can't even really say it's a challenge, but just uncomfortable. Someone lays on their back and their friend pours milk and cereal into their mouth. And the challenge is, is they eat it without snorting it out of their nose. But when you lay down and you have milk and cereal haphazardly poured into your mouth... It's going to fucking go up your nose, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to be uncomfortable, and no one's going to like it. And I guess it makes a funny video? To me, me, that kind of shit is funny. Awful. (laughs) Well, okay, so to me, that kind of shit is funny if it's someone you know at your school. I realized this through Instagram a few years ago before TikTok really took off is that theory about, like, how certain teenagers become, like, really popular really quickly is that if you're on Instagram... You're probably following and being followed by everybody at your school, which depending on how big your school is, could be like 2,000 people immediately. So you could just join a social network and immediately have like 2,000 people there Mm -hmm. without even trying. If you're more popular or people are talking about whatever it is that you did, you will immediately get views like immediately, which then will invite like more promotion for strangers and other people to watch you. And I just feel like it's... With stuff like schools, I just feel like it's really easy to get online traction that way. I realized this years ago when I realized every single person I knew who had a sibling in high school, the fewest small amount of likes they would have on a photo was 200. And they were just a kid in high school. Right. And I was like, that's weird. Until I realized the people who are liking the photo are not random ass people online. It's like everyone that goes to their school. And this would be on... It was like Facebook friends. Yeah. And this would be on like private accounts and stuff. Like accounts that aren't even trying to be known for anything. Would have Mm -hmm. like 300, 400 like likes to a photo. 
I guess as someone who doesn't have like a built-in network like that, it's like, whoa, like that's a lot of, you know? So with TikTok and how TikTok's algorithm can make it so easy to be seen, I feel like teenagers stuff just gets like really fucking thrown out there. That's my theory. That explains why you see a lot of, a lot of young, younger people. Oh, I agree. Yeah, cereal challenge is weird. They had a banana peel challenge for a while where it was literally exactly as it sounds. You just slip on a banana peel. But why? To mimic being an old school cartoon, the old banana peel thing, like where they either try to get someone to do it or they do it on purpose. I don't understand the point of that, but that apparently was a challenge for a second there. This was one I didn't realize was a thing for a minute was duct tape challenge where you duct tape your friend to a chair and then they have to proceed to figure out how to escape. And at first I was like, wow, that sounds really stupid until I remembered that we have fucking Edward 40 hands and I have absolutely done something similar in my college years. Do you know Edward 40 hands? No. Oh my God. Okay. So a very popular show called How I Met Your Mother revolutionized this thing called Edward 40 hands, which is just a stupid joke where you have two 40s of alcohol duct taped to your hands and your friends aren't allowed to remove them until you finish the 40s. Right. Which those are big. Big old drinks. Yeah. So two of those duct taped to your hands mean you can't grab or hold on to anything. You just have, it's like Edward scissor hands, Edward 40 hands. I did something similar as a joke just, honestly, for a photo op when I was 21, 22. Uh, It was 4th of July, and I decided I wanted to have the right to beer arms. Oh, my goodness. I think I remember this. I remember seeing this, at least. And so it was a joke on Edward 40 Hands, and I had my friends duct tape beer bottles to my arms. But just to take a photo, and the idea was like, I can't have them removed until I finish all beers, but really all of the bottles were empty except for like the one in my hand. Yeah. So the fact that I've literally done that makes me be like, oh yeah, this duct tape challenge is like uh, clearly something I would have done in high school, I guess. (laughs) So I cannot judge. (laughs) You know, it'd be normal. I, I literally cannot judge you gotta wonder what those reunions are gonna be like (laughs) and then there's there's the uh so another one i had never heard of was a snorting condoms challenge oh i heard about that but i i when i say i heard about that is like i heard that it existed (laughs) i looked up photos because i did not want to watch a video of someone doing that and lo and behold there are fucking teenagers snorting motherfucking condoms and i was like back in my day we just blew them into balloons tied in the people's mailboxes and lit them on fire like oh my god what are you doing okay yeah i was about to ask (laughs) if like there was something in them or you just no just just snort the rubber you just snort the rubber which those things are lubricated with like stuff i can't imagine that's great for the inside of your nose stuff (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Like, I just know that they are. Like, I'm sorry. I <laughs> do we know? Tell me. Do I you have know? No idea. Okay, exactly. It's lubricated with I stuff. Agree with you. They are lubricated with things. They're lubricated <laughs> with things. Uh, I'm assuming like what the fuck KY jelly shit is made out of. <laughs> I don't know any. I don't know enough about it to refute anything that you're saying. All I know is that <laughs> shit ain't. It works. 
All I know is that shit ain't pH balanced. That's all I know. Don't put- <laughs> Also, there's a lot of people who might not have known they're allergic to latex yet. I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's some allergic reactions that happen there. Oh, gosh. Actually, I'm sure there's a bunch of... Now that I've brought this up, would you have rather found out you have a latex allergy through snorting a condom? Or using it the way you're supposed to vaginally. Because now I'm thinking about it. Like, where does it go? I think the idea was you snort it in your nose and pull it out your mouth. Like, I had to make the rounds, I guess. Honestly, I'd rather find out the good old-fashioned way. Because if I found out I had a severe (laughs) reaction to it when it was in my nose and my mouth, that seems like... Oh, you could suffocate and die. Yeah, I just realized. faster. Yeah, I just realized you could actually fucking die. Okay, never mind. Yeah. (laughs) I take, I take it all back. <laughs> for a few days. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't breathe through your vagina. In my mind, that the allergy was not that severe. In my mind, it was like you get hives or something, or it's itchy. I don't know. Like in my mind, it wasn't like a, you're suffocating and dying. It was yeah. an anaphylactic shock. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, so I also had never heard of the eraser challenge. Which just absolutely sounds like something people our age, I, I guess 25 to 30 is our age group. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're, we're 28. It's a thing. Uh, yeah, I can imagine kids at my middle school doing this eraser challenge thing like without even the payoff being online. That's the worst part. We did shit without a payoff outside yeah. of being popular at your school or amongst the kids you're trying to impress. Cool that, cool we, we did shit without internet popularity and that just says a lot about us as people mm-hmm. so uh, eraser challenge was just just participants rub their skin with an eraser as hard as they can while reciting the alphabet or other phrases just to see how long they can take the pain wait they do what now you rub yourself with an eraser as hard as you can or someone else does it while reciting the alphabet to see how far you can get like see how long you can take the pain like one of those rubber erasers, right? Yeah, like a little eraser you have at school. It's hard for me to imagine what that would feel like. Unfortunately, it's not hard for me to imagine what it feels like, and it sounds awful. Uh, mm-hmm. Growing up, my brother used to think uh, rope burn. Yeah. The, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, my the brother tipping. used to do that yeah, to me yeah. all the time growing up, and I fucking hated it because it hurt. Yeah. So much. I remember that. I and in my mind. My memory box, but uh, here we are. <laughs> and in my mind, that's what it feels like when you rub a fucking eraser up and down your skin until it hurts so much. Is that basically concentrated to one spot? That's where my brain is going. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just have like a specific pain in mind for that. Like I just seem, I just, I just know I know. I know that I know what it feels like. I'm sure it's got to be really close. It's got to be. But yeah, he, he seemed to think it was funny and that it wasn't actually that painful when in reality it was really fucking painful. Okay, so there was the cinnamon challenge, which we all know. That's the, as far as I'm concerned, the cinnamon challenge has is as old as time. We all know the cinnamon challenge. Yeah. My uh, roommate at one point did it. I bet. It is so great. Wait, which roommate? Matt. Oh my God. I bet he fucking did. Yeah. Did he at least do it on camera? No. Uh, see? That's what I'm saying. Our generation's fucking no. bizarre. We will do shit without it being on camera. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were just drunk. These are all challenges I-, I have heard of. The Kylie Jenner challenge, which is when you suction oh. your lips into like a shot glass or a bottle or something to make them look enormous, which, by the way, has 
injury risks too that I didn't realize. Part of why your lips re- uh, respond that way is because of like the trauma you're causing to it, blood vessels to pop. And for some people, it even caused like cuts to happen that required stitches. Cool. Like maybe just get plastic surgery like what Kylie Jenner did. Yeah. That girl did not have lips before her plastic surgery. She got a whole new body. Like as far as I'm concerned, she didn't get plastic surgery. They took her brain and put it into another body that they just built and it's a robot. They just built Barbies. Like bodacious Barbies. I'm just like, like the amount of work that had to have been done on that child is insane. She has a different face and a different body. Like that yeah. is not something where it's like, oh, it's puberty. Like, no, no. You you have to wonder what she'd look like if she wasn't a Kardashian. Oh, like if she didn't have all the work. Like I imagine they're still pretty people, like for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. But just not like plastic pretty. Okay. There's a salt and ice challenge, which which to me is the same as the eraser challenge. You put salt and ice on your skin to create second and third degree burns to see how long you can take them. Honestly, at this rate, where's the cigarette butt challenge where you put out a cigarette on your skin? Like what? (laughs) Oh my God. When I was a freshman in high school, there was a boy in my math class. He like showed me a scar on his forearm and he was like, yeah, this is where I put out a cigarette. And I was like, why did you do that? Are you stupid? Like he was like, cause someone said I, I wouldn't. And I was like, okay, well you're an idiot. Just be like, yeah, you're right. I now know to avoid you and you fall very quickly to peer pressure. I notice. (laughs) Yeah. If somebody told me, like, hey, do this challenge, it'll make you feel like you're getting third degree burns, I'd be like, uh, go fuck yourself, goodbye. I'd be like, no, <laughs> I'm not gonna do that. I don't even want to watch someone do that. Yeah, uh, that doesn't, like, oh, wow, they're screaming in pain. Ha 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 ha. I forget what it's called when you enjoy other people being in pain. Like, uh, when, you, when you think it's funny. Sadist? <laughs> no, that's enjoying hurting people. Oh. Um, it's <laughs> fruit is the experience of pleasure, joy, or self-satisfaction that comes from learning or of witnessing the troubles, failures, or humiliation of others. So basically, what this podcast is is just a whole big Schadenfreude. Like I, I can't really say I get like like warm fuzzies or anything, but um, I would say it's more of a fascination. <laughs> On our end, than it is. It yeah, is fascination for sure, more than finding joy. Um, yeah. Like, it's definitely learning. I enjoy learning. I hate watching people get injured. I don't have enjoyment from it. Even if they look kind of goofy while doing it, like, it is not funny to me. It makes me uncomfortable, and I don't like it. But yes, that is the word I was thinking of. Oh, so the last two, ghost pepper challenge really fucking speaks for itself. We've literally participated in this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, except that I found out through doing an actual ghost pepper challenge where I did eat half of one and I didn't swallow it. I spit it out, which also was a weird mistake in and of itself. Um, because it was a lip thing, right? mm Mm-hmm. So we had the world's hottest gummy bear, which is a video you can check out on YouTube now. Um, (laughs) which I guess I'll have to post and stuff because that finally came out after like a year. Yeah, um, we ate the world's hottest gummy bear, which is 9 million shoe on the Scoville level, which is the equivalent heat of 9 ghost peppers, 8 ghost peppers. It was the equivalent heat of that many, which is why I thought 
eating a ghost pepper would be baby time frolics when I agreed to do that for D4 because I was like, I already had the world's hottest gummy bear. Can't get worse than this. It can't be worse than that. No, it can be so much worse because something a gummy bear didn't have. So number one, I looked it up. The gummy bear we ate had a lot of sugar in it, which already helps with the heat. Even though it sucked for us and it did feel like my mouth was fucking blistering and I was dying, it did have a buffer. It's not juicy. It doesn't have juices. Nothing that can leak. It's just a gummy bear. Right. And we chewed it up and we spit it out. That's it. So only the spots that it literally touched did it affect. I ate half of a fucking ghost pepper. No, no, no. Not ghost pepper. Carolina Reaper, which is worse uh, than a ghost pepper, actually. Pretty sure. It's, it's somewhere. They're related. Someone correct me. Someone out there just correct me. I don't fucking care. I had a point. Oh, yeah. So the juices. It's the juices. You chew it up. You spit it out. But there's a bunch of juices that you can't control where it goes. Some of the juice goes straight down your throat. Some of it gets all over your lips, which your lips are so fucking sensitive. There's so many nerve endings in our lips. It's part of why humans enjoy kissing is due to all the nerves in your lips. Like, it's part of what makes it feel like an intimate, sensitive area is because it is. My face was shaking minutes after like like just twitching shaking quivering my face was quivering tears just uncontrollable tears streaming down my face i when i went back and watched our video with the gummy bear that did not happen like there was some tearage but like i was like like rivers like streaming and i had to keep my face under running cold water for like 20 minutes straight awful i cannot believe (laughs) i can't believe some of my castmates Actually fucking swallowed that motherfucker. Were you on a toilet for three days? Oh my god. Because none of them had the face twitching, lip quivering pain that I had because they didn't spit it out. And like, Mm -hmm. oh my god. At least mine was done and over with within 30 minutes. Like, they were incapacitated for like days. So, (laughs) yeah. It was bad, bad fucking time. Not a challenge. I watched a ghost pepper challenge with a teenage girl one time. And, like, I thought this girl was going to die. I felt so bad for her. She went into shock. She was in so much pain. It was, like, like she was – her whole body was shaking. Like, it was a bad time. And it sucked because the beginning of the video was just her and her friend thinking it was just, like, good, wholesome fun that they're just going to be, like, oh, my God, hot. Like, no, like – and what's fucked up is her brother or whoever it was, like, continued filming her as her dad, like, picked her up and, like, put her in bed and, like, tried to get her, like, something to help. Like, it was – bad um last challenge i had is axe spray challenge which is also apparently called like deodorant challenge like the spray kind deodorant and involves someone holding a can of aerosol deodorant close to the skin and spraying for as long as possible the force of the aerosol and the temperature change on the skin can cause second and third degree burns which again sounds fucking stupid but then i remembered the fucking axe spray bombs the boys on my bus used to do what they would do is they would uh put a rubber band or duct tape the spray part down and then just throw it in the back of the bus so no one could stop it from spraying as it just spun around and like axe would just fill the entire bus and people would just like cough and not be able to breathe you know the poor life of a bus driver oh. the shit he had to deal with oh yeah 
I had a few really fucking mean bus drivers where I was like, how did you get so mean? And now I know it's from being a fucking bus driver. Yeah, from dealing with stupid kids all the time. The only other story I really had besides the kid that I've decided to save for a different topic uh, was Tyler Hadley, which was a boy in fucking murdered. He started tripping on Molly, which is not the drug for murdering. So you can't blame the drugs on this, to be honest. You just can't. Uh, Listen to our our last episode (laughs) with drugs. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. that's not what that does. He tripped on Molly and beat both of his parents to death with a... With a hammer. What the fuck? Cleaned up the blood, dragged their bodies to their bedroom, and then threw a party with 60 people in the oh house. My God. So what he did was uh, he, he killed them, put the bodies in the bedroom, cleaned up the blood from wherever he murdered them, and then put onto Facebook, having a party at my house, like anybody can come. And 60 people showed up. The only photo evidence of the kid being there was he took a very calm looking selfie with his best friend and he was promptly arrested the next fucking day well good yeah god there's a fucking rolling stone article called tyler hadley's killer party jesus christ (laughs) the killer party not tasteful not tasteful yeah this is in 2011 tyler goes sup bra and his friend antonio goes chilling what are you doing tonight and he goes trying to have a party at my crib Antonio goes, your parents ain't home? And he goes, nope. Well, they're leaves in soon. Yeah, he was telling everybody at school that he was having a huge party at his house and nobody believed him. And he was just going around telling everybody about he's going to have this huge fucking party. And everyone was like, okay, whatever. Yeah, um, so he knew what he was going to do. Oh, yeah. And so he posted on the Facebook, you know, party at my crib tonight, dot, 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 maybe. And that was at, like, 1.15 p.m. on, like, a Saturday. And so by 8.15 p.m., he had posted another status, party at my house, hit me up. And then people were commenting, like, what if your parents come home? And that's when he started responding, trust me, they won't. Ugh, gross. People didn't even arrive until, like, 10 or 11.30. What's even weirder is that he was telling people he doesn't want people to smoke inside because it's his parents' house. But he had already killed them. Yeah, no, that's just delusion. Yeah. But yeah, so that's pretty much all that I got. So um, if we want to wrap things up. Yeah, teens are fucking terrifying. And horrible. They're worse in groups. Yeah. Yeah. And they're real bad if they really think they're like in love with someone I noticed. There's a lot of stories where it's just like. They're just so obsessed with someone. They, like, murdered somebody over it. I don't know. Crazier about it. Something about feeling emotions you never felt before making you lose your goddamn mind. Yeah. Humans are fragile. We really are. We're fucking fragile on a lot of levels. Fragile psyche. Fragile. Well, not fragile bodies. That girl, like. Yeah. She was. She had. She was a fighter, man. She was. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, even though we started later than anticipated. And we will see you guys next week. Um, hopefully Twitch won't be freaking out like it did yesterday. And we will, you know, be here on Thursday like we're supposed to and not Friday. <laughs> and uh, keep it creepy. Keep it creepy. Music by freestockmusic.com.
For blog posts showing visuals for each episode, you can find our blog at cotmpodcast.com. If you'd like to help support us and receive discounts and loyalty rewards, become a patron at patreon.com slash macabre. We record every episode live Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash thetigerwizard. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast app or site, please let us know and we'll fix that. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on episodes, blog posts, and special events. And don't forget, 